This is Jocko Podcast number 58 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Now, a couple shows ago when Dr. Peter Atiyah was on, he mentioned an article. And I hesitate to call it an article because it is actually much more than just an article it's an elegant piece that was published in the new york times written by his friend and the daughter of one of his mentors a woman named naomi rosenberg dr naomi rosenberg who is a doctor at temple university and peter said that this article truly captured the emotions and the struggle and the methodology for delivering the worst news to a parent that their child had died. And I, of course, read the article and I found it incredible and I wanted to share it with you in case you didn't have a chance to read it yourself yet. So here it is from the opinion section of the New York Times on September 3rd, 2016 by Dr. Naomi Rosenberg. How to tell a mother her child is dead. First, you get your coat. I don't care if you don't remember where you left it, you find it. If there was a lot of blood, you ask someone to go quickly to the basement to get you a new set of scrubs. You put on your coat and you go into the bathroom. You look into the mirror and you say it. You use the mother's name and you use her child's name. You may not adjust this part in any way. I will show you. If it were my mother, you would say, Mrs. Rosenberg, I have terrible, terrible news. Naomi died today. You say it out loud until you can say it clearly and loudly. How loudly? Loud enough. If it takes you fewer than five tries, you are rushing it and you will not do it right. You take your time. After the bathroom, you do nothing before you go to her. You don't make a phone call. You do not talk to the medical student. You do not put in an order. You never make her wait. She is his mother. When you get inside the room, you will know who the mother is. Yes, I am very sure. Shake her hand and tell her who you are. If there is time, you shake everyone's hand. Yes, you will know if there is time. You never stand. If there are no seats left, the couches have arms on them. You will have a decision to make about whether you will ask her what she already knows. If you were the one to call her and tell her that her son had been shot, then you already have done part of it. But you have not done it yet. You are about to do it now. You never make her wait. She is his mother. 
Now you explode the world. Yes, you have to. You say something like, Mrs. Booker, I have terrible, terrible news. Ernest died today. Then you wait. You will not stand up. You may leave yourself in the heaviness of your breath or the racing of your pulse or the sight of your shoelaces on your shoe, but you will not stand up. You are here for her. She is his mother. If the mother has another son with her and he has punched the wall or broken the chair, do not be worried. The one that punched the wall or broke the chair will be better than the one who looks down and refuses to cry. The one who punched the wall or broke the chair will be much easier than the sister who looks up and closes her eyes as they fill. Security is already outside the room. And when they hear the first loud noise, they will know to come in. No, you will not have to tell them. They know about the family room in the emergency department in summer in North Philadelphia. It is all right. They will be kind. If the chair cannot be sat in again, that is all right. We have money for new chairs every summer. If he does not break your chair, you stay in your chair. If he does, you find a new place to sit. You are here for the mother and you have more to do. If she asks you, you will tell her what you know. You do not lie. But do not say he was murdered or he was killed. Yes, I know that he was, but that is not what you say. You say that he died. That is the part that you saw and that you know. When she asks if he felt any pain, you must be very careful. If he did not, you assure her quickly. If he did, you do not lie. But his pain is over now. Do not ever say he was lucky that he did not feel pain. He was not lucky. She is not lucky. Don't make that face. The depth of the stupidity of the things you will say sometimes is unimaginable. Before you leave, you break her heart one more time. No, I'm sorry, but you cannot see him. There are strict rules when a person dies this way and the police have to take him first. We cannot let you in. I'm so sorry. You do not ever say the body. It is not a body. 
it is her son. You want to tell her that you know that he was hers. But she knows that. And she does not need for you to tell her. Instead, tell her you will give her time and come back in case she has questions. More questions or questions for the first time. If she has no questions, you do not give her the answers to the questions she has not asked. When you leave the room, do not yell at the medical student who has a question. When you get home, do not yell at your husband. If he left his socks on the floor again today, it is all right. And that concludes the article and it concludes the instructions from Dr. Rosenberg. And I know we're all not doctors. And even in my old job, even when men were killed, my men were killed. I did not ever have to deliver this news myself. When my men were killed, I was still overseas, still still fighting. And the military has a process, a procedure to notify the next of kin when a service member is killed, and that's well documented. But I never had to do this. But even though we're not doctors and I guess most of us are blessed in the fact that we don't have to deliver this news, but I still think there's much to be learned. First of all, to get some sense of what doctors and nurses and medical personnel go through on a daily basis. And the methodology that's used really, you can back that off a little bit and think about how you can use it in situations to deliver other bad news. Rehearse what you're going to say. Say it. Say it in the mirror out loud. Be direct. Simply and clearly state the facts so there's no ambiguity and so there's no question about what it is that you said. And then wait. You don't need to say anymore. You already said it. Don't distract from the words. Don't take away from the statement. 
by adding to it. You said it, leave it alone. You don't need to fill the silence with words. Words are good, but sometimes silence is better. And that includes the part that Dr. Rosenberg pointed out about the way that we tend to answer questions that weren't even asked. No. The other thing that she obviously has had to contend with is the emotions from other people. Don't let them surprise you. Expect it. If someone wants to get angry, that's okay. If someone breaks down, that's okay. Know that it is coming. Don't let it surprise you. Don't let it catch you off guard. And she talks about body language as well, right? She says, don't make that face. So we have to be aware of our body language. Our body language is a language. And it communicates to people. So make sure that the message you are communicating with your body language is the right message. And then lastly, she talks about detachment and the fact that even though you've gone through this horrific emotional situation, leave it in the room. Don't take out the anger and the frustration and the emotions that you do feel. Don't take them out on the intern or the medical student or your spouse or your children. Because whatever you're pretending to be mad about doesn't matter. And what does matter is life. So live it. And live it well. And reading and thinking about what Dr. Rosenberg wrote it made me think of a a letter that I had read some time ago that is sort of the reciprocal of this. Instead of being a, a child that's lost, this is about a parent that's lost. Now when parents grow old and we reach old age, Part of life is death. But there are events in the world that bring early deaths. 
And I remembered a letter that I had read which was written by John Roland McGinley Burns, who held the rank of trooper in the 2-7 Cavalry Commando Regiment in the Australian Army. And he wrote this letter about 10 months into the brutal campaign in New Guinea where the Allies met the determined Japanese Imperial troops who, as we all know, fought ruthlessly and fought to the death. And not only were the Allies fighting against the Japanese soldiers, they also fought against the diseases of the jungle with nearly 100% of the men suffering malaria and typhus. It was a, a nightmare. A bloody, fever-stricken, miserable nightmare. But in that nightmare, facing death, in that darkness, John Burns found the good. He found the light. And here is what he had to say in a letter written to his little daughter for her second birthday. Wednesday, October 21st, 1942. My dear little girl, last night was a beautiful moonlit night. Every star that studded the sky was sparkling like a jewel. The air was crisp, but faintly perfumed with all the fragrances only a lovely spring night can devise. Today, it is raining hard. The wind is fierce and cold. Yes, it is miserable, something you want to pass by quickly so that the night will again be beautiful. Life too, Anne, is like the weather. Some days are so lovely, the happenings of those days so enchanting, you can never forget them. Some are so unhappy, you wish they never happened, but alas, they must for your life. Your mother's, mine, everyone's is so mixed up with joy and sadness that you never have one or the other for long. One replaces the other with a speed that is amazing. Thus, it just happened two years ago. Your mother knew and I knew that you were going to be born. Those days were anxious ones, Anne. 
As the days went by, your mother used to smile at me with those lovely brown eyes, eyes that shone with courage and resolve. If she had anxiety in her mind, she never showed it. But it must have been there. In my heart and mind, torments rage that no one will ever know. But through all the doubts, all the worries, and all the long, anxious hours, an end came. Bringing with it you. From that hour, it was early in the morning, the lives of two people were filled with inexplicable happiness. When I called to see your mother that day, I shall never forget the beauty, the happiness that shone up at me from her precious little face. Neither will I forget the pride and the joy that surged right through me when the nurse brought you along and I held you in my arms. Soon we took you home. The months sped by and gradually took a hold in our hearts. You laughed so much at silly things we did to claim your attention. You showed off to so many people, your eyes so big and questioning never failed to win admiration. Your curly hair was indeed a special joy. And as each month sped by, you grew. First you sat up, then stood up, then crawled, then walked. As each stage passed, funny little incidents occurred. Perhaps no one ever noticed them or remembered them, but your mother and I did. Every night when I came home from work, there were stories of your conduct through the day to be told. Some days you were good, and others you were naughty. Like, for instance, the day when a little mischievous spirit seized you and strips of wallpaper came from the wall. Other thoughts came crowding into my mind, memories of days gone by when we laughed at you, scolded you, and some serious times when we worried over you. The first year of your life passed quickly. Quickly, perhaps, but you grew so quickly every day was an adventure, not only for yourself, but for us. You had a party for your first birthday, and although you sat up like Jackie, you probably will never remember it. But that day, you got Guga for a present. Poor Guga. As each week passed, he got dirtier and more worn. And the dirtier he got, the more you loved him. Then at Christmas, Teddy came along. Dear old Teddy, so plump and with a frizzy coat. In a few months, he was still plump, but his hair was not so frizzy. Then you'd go to sleep. Then you'd never go to sleep unless Teddy and Guga were tucked in with you. You'll never know how angelic, how like a cherub you looked when after your bath, you were popped into bed with your little playmates. 
indeed God is good how many times have your mother and I crept in to see you sleeping and how many times have I wiped away tears gentle little tears of happiness from her eyes when we came out all those days were so beautiful like the night I sat and watched yesterday evening but soon came the rain your lovely country so free and proud was fighting for its life those indeed were dark days I had to leave your mother and you and become a soldier thousands of other daddies went too, because we had to fight so that all the mothers and little boys and girls could live happily that was many months ago I do not know how long it will be before we will be home again but rain my little darling does not last forever through the blackest clouds a little piece of blue appears the wind blows and soon the clouds go so too will peace come and then we can all be happy again Because I'm a soldier now, Anne, I cannot attend your birthday this year. You are going to have a party, and I won't be there. But while the party is on, I'll be thinking of you and your mother. Thinking of the day you came along, and of the days that have gone by since. You are lovely now, like your mother. Someday, when you grow up, some man is going to be lost in your loveliness, like I was when I fell in love with your mother. But no matter. We cannot have you forever. While we do, will teach you all the lovely things in life and there are so many beautiful things in life there are two bad things and these also we will tell you about so that you'll know how to pass them by maybe it will be years before you will be able to read this letter but when you can You'll know at least how much we love you and how much you mean to us. I am looking forward to seeing you soon and to seeing those big brown eyes of yours laugh back at me. Until then, my little girl, goodbye. And God bless you on your birthday. from your adoring dada.
and Dada, soldier, trooper, father, John Burns died in New Guinea on the 9th of February, 1943, a few months after that letter was written. And when I say that war, that war brings out the worst in people, but that it also brings out the best in people, this is exactly what I'm talking about. What, what force moved the hand of John Burns. Of course, it was absolutely the love of his daughter. But, but was that expression only revealed in so pure of a form because of the evil that he faced? the peril that he faced, the horror that he faced. I think war brings out the worst in people, but also brings out the best in people, and I'm sorry for that. I don't want it to be that way. So I would ask you, and I ask myself, can we, can we free our minds? Can we access that purity? Can we access that purity without the horror? without the imminent fear of death, without evil? Can we access and can we recognize that purity without war? I do not know the answer. But I hope. I hope that by looking at the horror, by looking at the hatred and the savagery and the utter lack of humanity that war unleashes, I hope that that allows us take one step closer 
one step closer to the purity and the beauty and the love the love that John Burns was able to find and express to his young daughter as he marched forward into the wretched jungle toward evil toward war and toward death Let us hope. Let us remember. Let us learn. Let us learn about the darkness. So that our mind can see with the greatest of contrast the light. And the good. So that so that we can proclaim the pure adoration and the pure love that befits the divine. The divine and beautiful and real living angels like Anne that surround us every day because they are here the angels are here with us kind of a rough way to open things up I know and that's one letter from one time period in the world and I have no idea and can't even comprehend how many millions of those letters were written And I would say, if you're not facing death and you're not facing horror, still write that letter.
Michael Charles. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I, I, for those of you that are listening, I, I, I kind of uh, gave Echo a heads up that this was going to be kind of harsh. Um, I remember when I read that. I don't know when I read that letter for the first time, and but I remember just reading it, thinking, "Wow!" And so I, I did. And the other thing is, Echo with his young daughter, and you see, you see, he's he's told me this before about like uh, when atrocities are taking place, and he's all okay. You know, soldiers are getting killed, and he's doesn't get that emotional about it. But anytime I start talking about kids getting hurt, Echo always has a hard time with it. So, uh, you know, he's got a beautiful young daughter and a son. Who? What, what do you call a son? What do you call him, handsome? He's too small to be handsome. You can't call him beautiful because he's a boy. He's very handsome. Okay, we call him handsome. I think he's very handsome. <laughs> so, that, like I said, I gave Echo the heads up. I said it was going to be harsh, and obviously it was uh, it was pretty harsh. Yeah, I think you can't help but, I mean, all, all of this stuff, like you just put yourself in the situation, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I told you about the time I was watching Hawaii Five-0, the new one, <laughs> not, not the old one, the new one, and it, it just happens to be one of my, it's in Hawaii and all this stuff, so it's a good show. I think it's a good show, but it's not like heavy or deep, it's, you know, isn't it like, it's a fun action show. Isn't it like Baywatch, kind of? Well, maybe, but none, nonetheless, it's, um, you know, it's a you know, Hawaii Five-0 crime. Yeah. They gotta solve the crime. So one of them um, this is pretty recent, like a few weeks ago, whatever. Um, there's a prom, and one of the five old guys' uh, son is at the prom. Terrorists take over mm. the prom to do something, right? So now the little conundrum is: task units guy's son is in the prom, but they gotta go solve the crime too, you know. Mm-hmm. But the sun's in there, so it adds this little thing. And then uh, it was one of those things where kind of like on the movie Die Hard where the when the terrorism thing got sprung on him, the sun was in like the bathroom or something. Right. So he has to kind of work along with it. Another guy was there from 5-0 to Chaperone. They were in the bathroom, so they had to go behind the scenes. So it was like, anyway, at the end of the day, the sun's kind of like the hero, you know? And then yeah. he like comes up. <laughs> you can't let him get... <laughs> You can't let a white five oh break you down like this, brother. I know, man. <laughs> Stupid. Uh. <laughs> I am not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. It's not white five oh. It's this. I know. I know, man. This is harsh. This is harsh. It's brutal. It's brutal, and and you know, um, just so. You know, kind of the pre-recording conversation that that we had is what I was saying to you is, hey man, I'm gonna like a lot of times on the podcast, I kind of have time to prepare for it, so I I can answer the questions because I can think about them and all this. And I said I'm gonna ask a question I don't have the answer to, right? And I'm sure we'll get a lot of feedback on this, as far as you know, does this intense you know, war scenario 
make you express yourself more fully. And basically, I asked Echo before before we started recording. You know, we were having that conversation, and I said, "If you were going to come here, if I was going to kill you right now, what would you say to your daughter? What would you, if I gave you the phone and said you can talk to her one more time, what would you say? Have you said that to her today? Have you said it to her this week?" And I don't know. I don't know if we do that. I don't think we do. I don't think we normally do because, I mean, you're not going to go through life like that. And I'm not saying you need to do it every day. But how do you open up to that purity that you get when your life is at risk and you're in the jungles of New Guinea and people are dying all around you and you know it's your daughter's birthday coming up and you want to write her a letter? And you know it might be the last thing she ever sees from you. There's some, I believe that there's some force that that moves through you and, and moves your hand and moves your mind and moves your heart. Which, if you think about it, why, like, there's a lot of subjects to, to have books about or to have movies about. Why are there so many war movies? Well, what's that all about? There's war movies, you know, there's f- war movies upon war movies there's no there's no other is there another subject that there's a, as many movies about than war I don't know. right there's not is there i don't know there's a lot for sure i mean i guess you could say in general in a broad category could be like romance but even romance movies there's, there's you know <laughs> i mean those are marginal at best yeah well, we, i don't think you'd know anything about the quantity of romance movies anyway no. so you really no no guessing but we know that there's to, to say the least there's a lot of war movies i guess there's a yeah. lot of cops and robbers cops, movies yeah. but guess what sure. that's the same that's the same, the same thing, thing. Yeah. you got yeah, yeah. you know they right. don't make cops and robber movies about giving out tickets yes for parking correct they do cop and robber movies about cops and robbers killing each other and being yep. bad guys and yep. all that at risk and the family yes, and, yeah, and the yeah, family yeah. and all that and even okay here's another big genre of movies <laughs> Mobster movies, right? Mm. Mobster. There's a lot of mobster movies. Well, it's not. It's not. It's always about the life and death scenarios. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. So I believe there is something to that. I don't know what it is, but there's something that opens up your mind. And again, I think that's why it's important to look at these things and feel these things as much as you can feel them. So that you can have some more access in your brain to get to that part of your mind and your heart to express what's in there that isn't going to come out unless it's put under that kind of pressure. Yeah. Either that or maybe Hawaii Five-0 does it to you. <laughs> you never know, man. <laughs> One time when my wife was pregnant with her first, our first kid. And, uh, you know, the hormones get all crazy. Sure, progesterone. Yeah, and so we're watching something on TV back in the day, and an AT&T commercial came on. Yeah. And it was, you know, the the, the dad was not home or, or something like that. And all of a sudden, I hear, like, sniffling, and I look over. It was a 30-second commercial. <laughs> you know, 14 seconds into it, she's bawling. I'm yeah, like, what yeah. is wrong with you? <laughs> It's just so sad. Yeah, man. Okay. You never know, man. They can yeah. come out of nowhere. Watch like like Armageddon. I don't know if you ever seen that one. Bill, no. uh, uh, For just just FYI, 
I haven't seen any cheesy, stupid movies with <laughs> things blowing up everywhere. Bruce Willis. Those aren't the emotional uh, muse that I'm looking for. Yeah, well, at the end, Bruce Willis, same deal. But how's mm. this, though? He's talking to her through a camera. And, he, you know, it's the same deal as this letter, though. He's saying not that long and in-depth. Yeah. It's not, you know, not as deep, of course. But still, same scenario, because he, he, he has to detonate the bomb, but the remote detonator broke. Yeah. So he has to do it manually and blow himself up to save okay. the world. Meanwhile, you got to tell his daughter. Anyway, same deal, man. You know, this is the other thing that I that I find interesting about this thought, right? About this thought of accessing this place, this kind of emotional place that people get into. And I think sometimes what happens is guys get in there, yeah, and they can't get back out, or or, or it just and I, I like. That's almost a description of combat trauma. Or when somebody comes back, oh, they're so emotional. Yeah, it's because they're in that spot and they can't get out. Oh, yeah. yeah. They can't put it back in check. They can't get control of it again. And so I think that might be another thing for, for people that are visualizing this and visualizing when I'm saying you wanna get to that place, but you also wanna be able to get back out of it. Yeah, You know, you don't wanna get wrapped around and live in this super hyper emotional world and it's it's not even emotional it's a purity it's a purity of thought and crystalline love and and if you get stuck in there all of a sudden you can't function normally yeah and so you gotta it's good to dip into it it's good to see it it's good to feel it but then you gotta be able to get back out of it. And yeah. if you get stuck in there, you know that's what happens when guys come home from multiple combat deployments. They're just in there. And it comes and goes and they, they, they it's like, it's damaged. Or it's not yeah. damaged, but it's just an open access, it's an open wound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you gotta learn to kind of get that under control as well. Because that's where I think, that's where I think problems come in. If you spend all your time in that, in that area, you're not, you're, you're off balance. Yeah, you gotta you gotta somehow balance it. Yeah, man. So, um, and <laughs> this is the funny thing. Just because we're we're here, right? I'm gonna talk about it. This like what what you're going through right now, like mm-hmm. kind of a mood swing scenario. What I was <laughs> going through. What you were going through. Mm-hmm. What's what when uh, I remember like when. When Alton Lee Grizzard died, right? He was the guy who was in my platoon, and, and I talked about it on, when we were on the Tim Ferriss podcast. When Tim Ferriss came on our podcast, yeah, and I talked about uh, Grizz was his nickname. He was killed in a murder suicide. It was horrible, but that was uh, the first time like we'd be we'd be with my teammates. And we'd be all like super emotional and sad, and then we'd be laughing thirty seconds later, yeah, and then crying again another thirty seconds later, and then laughing a minute later, yeah. and and we'd be laughing at each other for crying, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. and then crying because we were laughing. It's just it's uh, it's normal. I I believe it's normal because I saw that with every you know every death that I've experienced in the SEAL teams. You know, guys. It's it's not like you have to be sad now and you have to be sad for 14 days or nine days. There's no, no, it's not like that. You know how long you have to be sad for? Until you feel, just just like John Byrne talked about in his thing, the, the sadness and the happiness come so quickly. 
Yeah. And that's what happens when you get when you go through rough patches or when bad things happen. Those those emotions will come and it's and I just want people to know it's normal. It's normal to to be crying one minute and then laughing 30 seconds later. Yeah. And that's normal and it's okay because I've seen it with every death I've experienced. And I I mean I know the the SEAL teams is kind of um you know, we're a little different, but I, I saw it with the families. I saw it with, you know, people that weren't in the SEAL teams with us. I saw the same reactions. Yeah. So it's normal. And that's even you ten minutes ago, you were like crying and you heard me laughing. You started laughing. You started you literally started laughing. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you kind of got a laughter out, and then all of a sudden you went right back. You were vacillating back between the two. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's like I said, it's normal, it's okay, it's what happens when you start getting getting uh, emotional about stuff. Yeah, thankfully uh my situation's more thinking about it, you know. It's like I'm thinking about something bad that could yeah, or would, you know, yeah, it's yeah. not like but it would be the thankful. same way if, yeah. if you know if something terrible did happen, you're going to feel the yeah. same way and it's you know, everyone should be just expecting that. Yeah. And it's probably the way that we deal with it emotionally. Yeah, you know? man. One time, my daughter had a like this is like she was she was two, I think, almost two. She got a staph MRSA staph infection Oof. in her lymph node. Oh god! So it's like, and so you know, we were there in the hospital for like a week, maybe two, and it there was yeah, same deal, man. Where it's like, cause she she's cool with it, you know, yeah. it doesn't really hurt or nothing. It's just this thing, and then you're like. Man, it's just this weird roller coaster, yeah. like how you're saying. It's crazy. Hey, that's yeah. part of the game, I guess. So uh, let's go to some Q&A from the interwebs. Sure. Question number talk one. Talk about something a little bit more positive. More let's lighthearted. Talk about more positive. Yeah. And this question is actually very positive. Good. I like this question. All right. So let's rock and roll. Here it is. From the interwebs. I am not Shakespeare. Hmm. So I cannot come up with a Facebook message that will express how powerful of an impact you and Echo have had on my life. My father died when I was 10, and I spent the next 12 years wasting my physical and mental gifts. You've taught me many of the lessons that I like to believe my father would have taught me if he were alive. Here's a brief list of my achievements over the past two years that you deserve at least partial credit to. Here we go. Lost 90 pounds. Net weight 300 from 300 pounds down to 210. That's legit. Yeah, That's a legit. big difference. Yeah. People weigh 90 pounds, by the way. You yeah, lost a that, whole yeah, person. That's a person. Yeah. Deadlift max went from 225 to 455. Legit. Bench went from 185 to 315. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Extra legit. Uh, started training jujitsu. Boom. Boom. Yeah. And boxing with friends, even though uh, there's nowhere to train where I currently live except for the yoga room at LA Fitness. You can make it happen in the yoga room at yeah. LA Fitness. Let's get it on in the yoga room at LA yep. Fitness. That's, That's what I'm how, talking about. Like on um, like on Lionheart, I think they did it in a yoga. Like they fought. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Anyway, spent two years working at an awful job where I led from the middle and improved the output of the entire facility while adding to my own skill set to the point where I was able to get a job, uh, get a job I love. That's awesome. That That's awesome to be bragging about the fact that you had an awful job that you just got after it in. Yep. And look what happened. Guess what the results are. You, you get the job that you want. The job you love, yep. 
Started at the new job last Wednesday. So that just happened. Boom. Legit. And he started taking class for the next job I want on uh, Coursera. Must be some kind of an internet thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm halfway through the data science certification program. Yeah, data science. I'm currently 26 and I fully intend to get after it until the day I die. I've passed your lessons on to my younger brother who has lost 50 pounds Dang. and swings the kettlebell. I got him every day. Yeah. Dang. When I lack the motivation to do what needs to be done, your words ring loud in my ears. Discipline equals freedom. Thank you so much. Okay, so the, my que- the question is, um, you may and not The reason ha- I included this preamble of yeah. kind of what he's been, you're going to hear, but as I thought about how to answer this question, I it's good to know what the background is and what successes he's had. That's why we kind of threw that in there. Yeah. It's, and and it's, it's awesome. It's awesome yeah. to hear about a trooper just getting after it. Yeah. Dang, numbers too. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the good thing about like, you know, some you can say, hey, I'm getting after it nowadays. Good. Good. But now I'm deadlifting 455. Yeah, this guy's like, I'm getting after it. Here's how. Here's how. My, my, my results. Awesome. Anyway. Um, okay. Jocko, you may not have this issue. How do you avoid feeling discouraged when you realize how much of your life you wasted when you're not getting after it? Do you ever worry that you won't achieve your full potential because you wasted time? Well, uh, first of all, like I said, First and foremost, congratulations. Second. That's just legit. And to have made that much progress, you're obviously on the path and getting after it and what you've accomplished is awesome. Some people never make that transition. So stay on it, keep crushing it. Now, as far as discouragement goes from not having gotten on the path earlier, do I feel that way? Would I feel that way? Negative, don't, no. Uh, Okay, you were a little late getting in the game. But I'll tell you what, 26 years old, is that what we're talking about, 26? Yeah, at 26 years old, you're youngin'. You're youngin', but I'll tell you what, even if if you were 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 doesn't matter, you're in the game now and that's that's what counts. And all those quote unquote wasted years, they, they weren't wasted, right? They're not wasted because you learned. And specifically, what did he learn about? Learned about what it's like to be out of shape. Learned about what it's like to be overweight. Learned about what it's like to be weak. And the knowledge that you learned about those things is fuel to make sure that it never happens again. Because you know. You know what is out there. And you know how bad it can get. And, And this is the other reason why it's beneficial that you you have a past that wasn't perfect is now you can teach other people how to do it very clearly yeah you can inspire other people to do it look at what you did to you. look what you did to your brother yep. right mm-hmm. it's it, another good example of that so back in the day before anybody knew what jiu jitsu was back in the day <laughs> uh, i am the worst person to introduce jiu jitsu to people because when they see me, because I'm 225 pounds and I'm, you know, a big guy and they think, of course, this guy can choke me. Of course, you know, they, right. they don't expect anything else. Yeah. So when I choke them, they're like, well, yeah, you yeah. were really strong. Yeah, yeah. So the best people to introduce jujitsu to people is like Jeff Glover, yeah. right? Who's 150 pounds, uh, skinny guy. 
and he comes out and chokes the big strong guy 27 times in a row, they say, oh, maybe this stuff works. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing here. People look at me, they go, well, Jock, you know, Jock was just hardcore. Yeah. No, <laughs> not just me. Look at you. You're the one that did it. You mm-hmm. went through a much bigger transition than I've ever gone through in my life. Yeah. So I say you embrace what you learned from the weekdays. Let them, let them make you even stronger and you use your own personal transformation that you've made in life, use that to help other people transform and get on the path as well. Yeah, That's where I'm at. I'm so good. And, to, and there's a lot to be said too for that. Like the like how he was talking, is what I think anyway, is how his brother lost 50 pounds, right? So, and that's like a lot, like, like a lot of times I, f- I feel like when people will do good stuff for themselves and make these big changes, other people who see, mm. there's kind of, there's two people, I'm sure there's one too, but there's two kind of people where some will be like, eh, they'll just hate and they'll be just jealous and they'll, you know, whatever. But the legit people like in your life or around you are going to be like, hey, what'd you do? You know? Even yeah. if like, even if it's not losing weight, even if it's like you're making like millions of dollars now, they're like, oh, like, what are you doing? You know, you just sort of changed real quick. Like you're now you're making millions. What do you do? I want to do. I want to get on that stuff, whatever you're doing. And the workout thing, that's a big one. So if like, like a lot of times like girls they'll lose all this weight and now they're like super attractive, they're, you know, as attractive as they always wanted to be kind of thing. All other girls, what did you do? Oh my gosh, what'd you do? What'd you do? And they want to do it too. It's like, it's almost like. Almost like you can prove yeah, it to others you're a walking that it can be proof done. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's good. Yeah. Stay so on good. the path, man. That's awesome. Awesome stuff. Next. Jocko. How do you handle an employee or how do you handle employee morale after terminating a popular supervisor for cause? Okay, so I mean it's kind of a rough one, but it's not it's not something that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen all the time because a lot of times people that are popular, they do well, but sometimes people are popular for the wrong reasons. They're popular because they let people cut corners. They're popular because they slack what? Um, what is this for cause? Just to Meaning they, they weren't efficient in their job. Yeah. It's, it's you, you failed. Okay. Basically, you're not up to par. Oh, gotcha. And so people... Sometimes popular popular supervisors, yeah, like I said, sometimes they're they're popular because they do great and they're great leaders. But a lot of times they're popular because they let people get away with murder. <laughs> That's your boy, and, yeah. yeah. And so when you figure that out, that the person's not doing their job and not a good leader, then you got to fire them. I mean, you've tried to counsel them, all that stuff, but now you got to fire them. So how are you going to get through that? Well, for one thing, the number one thing you got to do is explain why to to the people to the troops you got to explain why this person is being removed and just you know just like we just kind of learned from um the opening piece about being direct and not avoiding the the conversation have the conversation be straightforward and now now this is a key piece don't be disparaging of the person that's getting fired right mm-hmm. that guy was a dirt bag on you know you, you because these people are you know that some of them have a relationship with them yeah. and so you don't want to just immediately create animosity but you do have to be straightforward you do have to say look we had standards here he was out of bounds on these things right here and we just can't do that in this company we we got to hold the line 
you know, there's ethical reasons, there's legal reasons, or what, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So that's that. The other thing is you got to inspire some conversation. You got to inspire some questions so, so that they can, because you're trying to close the gap of the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You fired somebody, mm-hmm. and now there's a gap, a relationship gap, because that person that you fired is the relationship between they connect the relationship between this his subordinates and you mm. so now there's a gap in the relationship so you got to fill that gap so you got to start getting the conversations going talking to them and getting them just like i said closing the gap in the relationship the other thing is you got to explain what the follow-on plan is very clearly and you got to introduce whoever's taking their place you got to introduce them. I mean, immediately they got to be ready to rock and roll. They got to be read in. They you have to counsel them on like, hey, you're you know why I'm putting you in here? Be a leader, yes. Run this job site, yes. I need you to build these relationships with these guys. Mm-hmm. You're now taking over a relationship. You're taking over boss, yes, but you're taking over the relationships that he had. Mm-hmm. Now here's what you got to do to do it. You got to go and you got to be humble. You got to ask questions. You got all the standard leadership stuff, but you got to get them focused. In the right area, you also gotta you also gotta make sure who's ever coming in to take their place. Make sure that they understand what the political terrain is. Oh, yeah. Which guys were boys with the guy you fired? Which guys didn't like him anyway? So you gotta explain all that to him, so that he understands what's going on. And the last thing I'll say on this is, you'll find that I, oftentimes somebody that's that you think is mission critical, they're actually not mission critical. They're not as mission critical as they think they are, mm. and they're not as mission critical as you think they are. And others, when someone is doing a bad job or someone is not a good leader, the other people, even though they might be buddy-buddy with them, they know it, mm. and they know they should be removed. And when you do it, a lot of times the respect level goes up. Mm. So that means the other people that are in that position will, or, or the, the subordinates, a lot of them are ready to step up too. They're, they're ready, they're going, God, it took you forever to fire this guy. <laughs> I mean, we were doing what we gotta do and he was popular and everything, he was nice, but we, we see where it's coming from. Mm. So have confidence when you do it, you know, be, be, be thoughtful, but when you make the decision and you know it's the right thing to do, do it, get that other leader ready to rock and roll, explain everything very clearly, explain why you're doing it, and build and fill that gap in relationships that now it's going to exist. Mm. When you say mission critical, what, what does that mean? Meaning like a, without this guy, oh, right, the, mission the mission's be, gonna fail. Yeah, well, yeah. if Echo wasn't here for the podcast, we wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, so like I'm- No, actually we would. No, I'm I'd extra. find some other guy. No, no, I'd no. be like, hey, can you press record on this machine over here? <laughs> <laughs> and someone would say, yeah. And Damn. I'd say, cool. And then I'd say, do it. And I'd say, well, do you know how to make YouTube videos? Because that would be an addition. <laughs> Since Echo doesn't do much of that, maybe you could help with that. Yeah. yeah. No, but mission critical just means a guy that, and this happens, you see the technology companies where you got some guy that's really in the code yeah, more yeah. than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so well, if I leave, no one's going to understand right. what I built. Yeah. Well, first of all, you did a bad job if no one's going to understand what you built. But, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, and it even happens, I've seen it with construction. With a build, if you're building something more complex, like all of a sudden you got one guy that really understands the details yeah. and it can be hard because everyone thinks, oh, if we lose him, he's the only guy that knows how to do right. X, Y, Z. Yeah. So people freak out about it. Yeah. It almost seems like that's more of a comfort zone thing. If people oh, it's a think that, comfort zone. you know, it's a definite comfort zone thing. Yeah. You know what I actually, I can say, I don't think I've ever, I'm trying to think, 
I don't think I've seen it yet where the mission critical guy got fired and things fell apart. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've, I'm trying to think if I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. No, I haven't seen it. Maybe someone will happen one day. Maybe. All right. Next question. Next question. Jocko. I started working for a new company about four months ago. Although although new to this particular field, my previous experience and skill set directly applies to the work I do now. I'm assigned to work with an experienced quote unquote mentor who has has me do busy work or tasks that are well beneath my capabilities, leaving me feeling underutilized. Furthermore, when I see the quality of work this person executes, I'm confident I could outperform him. And yet he treats me like an idiot or a noob, quote unquote, newbie. <laughs> he, uh, he also milks the clock, disappearing for long stretches at a time and spending a lot of time on his phone. To further complicate matters, he's well connected to our upper management. What is the best course of action if my goal is to get noticed as someone who can perform the quality work that our clients demand? Okay. Fairly normal situation, right? This happens in every industry. Mm. Uh, what's the best course of action if my goal is to get noticed as someone who can perform the quality of work that our clients demand? Best course of action? Perform the quality work that the clients demand. That's the best course of action. That's it. Work hard, over deliver, get after it. That's the number one thing you can do. Now, the, you got an opportunity here. The, your, your mentor disappears for long stretches? Good. Let him go. Take a long lunch, boss. I got it. Oh, you want to assign me these menial tasks? Well, eventually, he, if he's going to take all these breaks, then he's going to have you do the, the more meaningful work. So that's fine. Um, you, you can do better work than him? Good. That's going to be fine. That's going to show through eventually. He's well connected up the chain of command. Beautiful. Beautiful. Because if you can now build a relationship with him, you're going to be well connected too, and that's going to be the hardest part, right? The hard that's going to be it's going to be hard to do, and it's especially hard to do because your attitude right now is negative, right? Your yeah. attitude right now is negative. It's a little ego kicking in. I can do better than him. He's I'm underutilized. He's his he does things or he's making me do things beneath my capabilities. Those are all just ego. It's fine. Mm -hmm. We ego is good. Ego's got a lot of positives to it. It's what's driving you to want to do better. So it's okay. But you're going to have to overcome that in this scenario in order to build a relationship with this guy. Mm. Man, I built relationships with guys that I hated. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, because guess what? Does that make me two-faced? No. You know what? It's my job. I'm a professional. Yeah. I am a professional. I, I guarantee you. You come and work with me, you will see. I am a professional. And yet... I will build relationships. So, so not and yet, but so that means my job and my professionalism is more important than my ego and my and my uh, my criticality of other people. Right? I'm not looking down on him, going on. So, because what I want to do is build a good relationship. So, when we build that good relationship with him, now he's if he's well connected with the folks up top, they're like, oh, what's up with Billy? Oh, Billy's good to go, man. He's doing a great job. Now, yeah. what if you're like, with well, the thing that the other, so what you gotta be careful of, what you don't wanna do 
is create an antagonistic relationship with him. And that includes threatening him with your work ethic, threatening him with your performance level, threatening him with your skills. So you almost have to throttle back just a little bit enough that he's not threatened. Now the other thing you could do instead of throttling back is what you do is you give him the credit. The credit, yeah. And you give him the credit and you're good. And now he's like pumped. Yep. He's not looking, you become, you build the relationship. That's what we wanna do. We wanna build a relationship and we wanna put your ego in check, do the little menial tasks, learn as much as you can. And, and let me tell you, all this is temporary. You will rise to the top. If you do it right, you will rise to the top. If you screw it up, you will never rise. If you create an antagonistic relationship with him, you will not promote. You will not. If you do it right, you will end up above him in the chain of command. It will take time. It will take swallowing of pride. But it will happen. It might take five years. It might take seven years. It might take nine months. I don't know. But that's what you have to do to make it happen. And have fun doing it. If you're gonna go crazy every day, if it hurts you so bad, I make a game out of it. I mean, I'm gonna make a total game out of it where my goal is to build this relationship with this guy. I'm gonna make a game out of it. We're gonna have fun with it. I'm not gonna be angry when I come home from work and go, God, I can't believe I had to shake his hand. No. I'm gonna come back like, you know what? Hey, like talk to my wife and say, hey, guess what? He actually bought me lunch today and we were laughing about the football game. I don't even like football. You know what I mean? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna build that and I'm gonna win. And in the long run, you're guaranteed to win if you can play that game. Yeah. So Again, everyone thinks it's gonna be like, he does not meet, because I was in the military, he does not meet the standards. What you do is you smash him and report him up the chain of command. Oh, that good luck with that. Yeah. You have This guy is well-connected and has relationships with everyone, they're gonna go, yeah, let's shut up, new guy. Yeah. Because you're actually proving, not only, you're actually proving when you do this, you're actually proving that you're not a good leader and that, you're, oh, yeah, that yeah. you can't put your ego in check. Yeah. You're proving that. Yeah. You can't, you're proving that you can't work with some people. We that guy. No, Jocko, he, oh, eh, Jocko can't work with anybody. Yeah. Jocko's really good as long as he's working with, you know, his team. So what, what does that mean? Yeah. That means you're confined for the rest of your life of only working with your team. Yeah. Whereas if it's, hey, Jocko's good to go. He can work with anybody. Oh, he worked with Bill, who's an egomaniac, and he worked with Mike, who's a lazy bastard. Guess what? Doesn't matter where you put Jocko. He's going to get it done. Okay, cool. That's yeah. the attitude we want people to have about us. Yeah. Damn, but even that, it's like an, it's, it's an art, you know. Of course it is. Like you're kind of balancing because you don't want to be like disingenuous or or like or or fake to the point where they know like oh this guy's faking. You know well, yeah, I mean? you it's you, like that you, that balance. Yeah, you, you know. You, and you know how you do that? You don't be fake, right? You're right, not yeah, just yeah. trying to. I'm not. See, this is the thing. I'm not trying to build a relationship with Echo so that I can get promoted. Right. That will be obvious. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to build a relationship with you because it's gonna make our team better and it's gonna make us do a better job and it's gonna benefit everyone at the company and at the team. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to do it. I'm not trying to do it so I can get ahead. Right. If you're right. that kind of snake, well then you're just as bad as the other guy. Right. Yeah. You're just one of those guys that's trying to get ahead. No, no, what you're doing is you're doing it for the benefit of the team. I wasn't forming relationships with people so I could get promoted. I was forming relationships with people so that we could do a better job, so I could get gear for the platoon. Yeah. So I could get support from some, you know, supply guy. Oh yeah, hey, what's up, buddy? 
I'm not. I'm not doing it disingenuously. I actually yeah. want to be bros with him, so he knows what we got and he knows what we need. Right. Nothing dis- disingenuous about that. I'll talk about football. Maybe that's a little disingenuous, <laughs> but you know. Well, like, yeah. If you say you like football, you don't. I mean, yeah, but that kind kind of seems like a superficial but thing. But you know what? You know, if like you're, you're so doing. into football and we're working together. I'm going to actually try and figure out, like, I want to know, why yep. are you so into it, man? See Tell me up. about it. Yep. What's so, like, like, explain that to me. You got 300-pound guys that can run 40, 40 yards in, like, seconds? <laughs> That's impressive. Let me learn about that. Let's get into the game. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Not disingenuous. A 300-pound guy running a 40 in 5.0 or less is Officially impressive. Yeah. 5.0 or less. 300 pounds. If you're 185, even 200, now he's 200 pounds. 4.3, four, 4.4, four, or 4.4 four and less. What'd you do impressive. with 4.47. It's a little less impressive, I heard. It's, I mean, for college, that's good. Oh, okay. I mean, especially back in, back in the day. <laughs> Nowadays, guys are fine. <laughs> It's different now. <laughs> and it wasn't yeah. even that long ago. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Next question. Uh, next question. This question is from an army vet that was in Ramadi in 2004. Yep, yep. He noted that to me. Yeah. Which is good to hear. Yeah. Some Thanks context your and, you know, respect. Yeah. Just started jujitsu. Boom. I'm a very, I'm a very step action drill oriented guy. I blame the field artillery officer basic course. <laughs> Today, while training, an instructor was talking to me about the flow and creativity and improvisation that is needed. I'm assuming it comes with time. Any ideas on helping to get that way? Or, sorry, any ideas on helping to get away from the step action drill mindset or just let it come or do you just let it come yeah that's 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 great and i know you've seen people like this in the jiu-jitsu i see them all the time it's people that have the personality Mm -hmm. that is like an engineer personality okay what do i do step one Mm -hmm. step two step three step four what tell me the steps bro quit all this conceptual stuff tell me the steps to do Mm -hmm. and actually higgs was jeff higgs uh he was describing a guy that we train with and in the way he described this scenario he was talking about this specific guy who kind of fits this mold and this was this guy was coming to train with us and gonna be one of our students and, and Higgs goes yeah you know he he's really good he's got you know he trains super hard he's strong and um, he's got a very stubborn jujitsu mind <laughs> which I got a <laughs> kick out of and it's, it's true but it's this kind of thing where you know, you just want to know the steps yeah. and you just want to apply them. And by the way, if you want to teach about options, mm-hmm. tell me what the options are then. You know, right. option one, one A, one B, one C, they want to have that mindset for everything. Mm-hmm. So that stops you, right? We, we want to get beyond that. We want to get to, it's just like a person playing a musical instrument. You can teach them all the notes, but they need to figure out how to play music, right? They need to figure out how to create music. That's the difference. I always say this when, um, if you go to a guitar center, which is a guitar store in America, and you put up a sign that says, you know, I need someone that can play the following 27 albums note for note, you'll get 
you'll get a hundred phone calls if you put a website that said that because mm. you're going to record an album or whatever. Mm. But of all those people, not all of them can create a musical song that is original and good and all that. So mm. there's the difference, right? This is the yeah. difference between like a normal jujitsu player mm. who's by the book and, and then, you know, a person that creates the top yeah. level guys that are creating new moves all the time. Yeah. So that's what we want to become. And it's not just to be a top level guy. It's also to be. It's also how you improve. It's how you get better. You got to figure out how to match the how to put the notes of jujitsu together. Mm-hmm. So, and on top of that, it's the same thing with combat. It's the same thing with doing an assault. It's the same thing with an immediate action drill. It's the same thing with moving down a hallway. Mm-hmm. If all you know and all you can do in your brain is follow the the steps and follow the standard operating procedures, as much as I talk about standard operating procedures being necessary and mandatory, if all you know how to do is follow them, you will fall short. Mm. And you will come into a situation where they're not gonna work, and now you're gonna, you're gonna be done. You're gonna stop, you're not gonna know what to do. Mm. That happens in jiu-jitsu all the time. Yeah. So we need to free our mind. That's what we need to do. We need to free your mind. And how do you do that? Well, first of all, discipline equals freedom. So. We want to have the discipline, which means we do need to drill the moves. It means we do need to learn the moves. It means we do need to repeat them over and over again so that we get good at them. We do need to do that. But then we've got to set the mind free. And how do you do that? I mean, go outside your comfort zone, for one. And a lot of guys, everyone does this, where you say, you know what, man, I'm getting everyone in this one move. I'm going to stop doing it. I'm going to do another move. I'm not going to yeah. guillotine anyone for yeah. two months. You know, yeah. I'm not going to come Unless you're Echo, then you might. Yeah, then I'll get you. <laughs> yeah, so go outside your comfort zone. Work on some like uh, work on some move that you don't do. Mm-hmm. Throw out your best submission and don't use it. Mm-hmm. So now you're got to be going through all these different different. You got to go for different moves. You got to mm-hmm. get creative. Same thing with hitting hitting uh, your move from different positions that yeah. aren't supposed to work. Yeah, that's like. For instance, you just talked about the guillotine. I'm a fan of the guillotine, but I do guillotines in weird places. I mean, I have people tap out to my guillotine when I'm when we're in weird positions that no you sh- like right. no one's ever been tapped out, and they're like, I don't know how I just got tapped out. How did you do that? Yeah. How did you? Ta- I was you know across the side, and I was yeah you were, but I had this going on. So try your moves from different positions, random positions. Do try things that shouldn't work too, mm. right? Try a move that's a top move. Try it from the bottom. Yeah. Try a move that's a move from the bottom. Try it from the top. Try it from the side. Try it from cross side. Try it from butterfly guard. Try these different moves and you'll start to create more. The other thing that will free your mind is when you stop worrying about tapping people out and getting tapped out. Yeah, yeah. Worry about progress. Worry about creativity. Try and be more creative. And if all you're worried about is not tapping out, your progress is going to be slow. And if all you're worried about is tapping the other guy out, your progress is going to be slow. If all you're worried about is losing, your progress is going to be slow. So that's it. Um, And I will actually, one more thing I would say there's a kind of a dichotomy here. In the one one side, you want to be able to turn your brain completely off and just do whatever happens. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you want to force your mind to make yourself do particular moves, right? Like, Mm. so go in one of those. If you're going to think, think about new moves. Or turn your brain completely off and let things happen as they come. Yeah. and the, Free your mind. The whole turning your brain off 
and letting the moves kind of it's almost like you're letting the move happen on its own kind of thing that it comes with time more and more you yeah. know like when you first start that's probably not really gonna happen much yeah yeah and also like an example of that is if you were teaching a class and you said hey Jocko come here and you know I'm gonna do this sweep on you and you do the sweep and like I would defend it immediately mm-hmm. and I go oh sorry man and we, I'd have to sit there and not defend the move so that you could show the sweep yeah. right you see what I'm saying like yeah. it's a complete instinct for me to stop that move or it's a complete instinct for me to grab your hand or mm-hmm. stop you know so that's the way that's the way it works you want that yeah. you want the, you want it to be an instinct you want all your moves to be instinctual yeah. because if you have to think about them in real situations yeah. if the other person is good and you have to think about what you're going to do. You're going to you're going to lose. Yeah, because they're not thinking. They're they're getting that quarter second. It takes a quarter second to, to process, mm. right? When we used to you know, shooting pistols, it takes a quarter second for you to see the target, a quarter second to get to your holster, and a quarter second to get the gun out and get the shot out. That's three quarters of a second. Yeah. So if you all you had to do was just draw and shoot, you a quarter second's gone. Mm. Or if you have the gun in your hand, a quarter second's gone. Mm. So. Actually, Greg Train the other did that the other day, and I thought about that. That's why that's why this is fresh in my mind. Like he grabbed my hand real quick, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, he did that sort of like I used to go for my holster because you can go as fast as you possibly can to your holster. Once you get to your holster, you got to slow down. Yeah. But you can go so fast to your holster. That's why I used to make up so much, you know, as yeah. fast as I could to my holster, and then get, and then once you get there, you got to slow down. You got to get front side focus. But Greg Train moved that fast trying to grab my hand like that, and I was like, oh, "I'm gonna start doing that. I'm gonna start doing that again, doing a little speed work on him." <laughs> So, yeah, free your mind. Back to the point here, and thanks for your service. Yeah, that way of learning, I, I think it's it's actually pretty prevalent when you first start because you don't know you don't know the move, you don't know why it works. You know that it works because your teacher is teaching it to you, but you don't know like why it works. So it's like, all right, just show me, tell me the steps to do it. Right. You walk through it. You learn another move. You learn this move. You learn. You know, he refines your technique. You go roll. You find out, okay, that doesn't work when I do it this way. Or you don't know why it doesn't work, so you got to ask the question. Yeah. You know? And I'm the kind of learner that I, w- I actually, the first thing I want to know is how does this work? Yeah. yeah I want to know that before I know even the steps. Yeah. And a lot of times I teach that way. I'm teaching like here's the concept of what we're trying to make happen. Yeah. We're trying to get their weight over here. So mm-hmm. here's how we're going to get their weight over there. Yeah. Now, once we get their weight over there, then it's easy to say, hey, now you need to do is slip your hips here and you're going to be on their back or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But for me, the con- the concept of what you're trying to make happen is what I like to think about and it's what I like to teach. And that's the same thing with combat. You know, I, mm. There's moves that you're going to do on the battlefield, but conceptually, what are you trying to make happen? You know, okay. cover, and move is, cover and move is the most simple one. You can cover and move an infinite number of ways. But if you don't cover and move, you're going to die. And as long as you have one of those millions of different ways of covering and moving, and I like some guys would get really particular uh, in my when I was when I was running training, guys be like, "Hey, you can't do that," and and I would say, "Well, what what did they do that you didn't like?" Well, you know he he should have gone. He should have moved first. Well, did the other guy cover him? Well, yeah. Well, why should the other guy have gone first? Well, that's the way we taught him. Okay. Well. Does it make sense? Can you give me a reason? Not really. Are they covering and moving? Yes. All right. I think they're good. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. They probably are. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's um. It it goes along too very much. It seems like anyway, what you're saying about telling people why they're doing what they're doing. 
Yes. So it's essentially the same thing. In jujitsu, you're right. Because if you just say, grab their arm and pull it into your you know, neck so you can uh, sweep them. But what you really want to tell them is like, listen, they're going to put their hand out here for base, right. for balance. Yep. So what you want to do is you want to be ready to move it or move it. And you only have to get it. You only have to take their base away for a quarter second. Mm. You know, I say that a lot. I say that a lot. Like people in jujitsu, they try and move. They try and they try and affect the other person's body for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. For ten seconds, yeah, yeah. For twelve seconds, it's they not. try and bring the hand into them so they can sweep them, and they hold it there for five seconds. I'm gonna hold it for a quarter second because that's all it takes for a sweep to happen. That's all it takes for an arm lock to happen. That's all it takes for a guillotine to happen. Is that one quarter second? It's mm-hmm. a quarter second is all you're trying to do. And yeah. once you once you are winning quarter second, quarter second, quarter second, now you're one. Yeah. Yep. But again, if I do feel like that, it's a this is. I mean, it's a, it's probably, I would imagine it's a, it's a spectrum with learning jujitsu. Like, you know how you say some guys, they just tend to learn that way. Yes. And then some guys tend to learn True. the other way. And True. it's a, you know, it's a spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Both ways is fine. And I think in the beginning, I know it was for me and most people that I've seen in the beginning, you just, you tend to learn that way. Show me the stuff. You don't know the everything. You no, don't know no the doubt. whole of no jujitsu, you know? So and, and even me, I mean, uh, I'm the. I'm I'm probably pretty far on the extreme spectrum of let me understand the concept. Yeah, and plus you're advanced though. I think no, no. But I'm talking about advanced. when I was the beginning. Oh, okay. In the beginning, even I was like, okay, well, how is this working? Yeah, why, why, like yeah. I wasn't like, show me how to do that. I was thinking, how did that happen? Right. How? Why am I tapping right now? Yeah. How, yeah. how can I not move? You know, mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I wasn't thinking, show me the movement. I was thinking, what is going on? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's and there's actually high level guys. You can tell by the way that they teach or the way that they, uh, yeah, by the way that they teach or train. You can mm-hmm. tell that there's high level guys on both sides. Yeah. There's high level guys that are like like for instance, guys that drill all the time. Right. Those are the guys that are mechanical. Right. Nothing wrong with it. They win world champions yeah. championships with that. Yeah. And then there's guys that don't drill, but they roll like crazy, right. and their games will reflect that. Jeff yeah. Glover. Yep. Jeff Glover, Dean Lister, same thing. Those, you don't see those guys doing a lot of drilling. It's not that they never do it, right. but if you compare them to, uh, let's say, who's who's a world champion? Dr- I mean, even Galvao. Yeah. Galvao's a driller. He just will drill, and at least from what I've seen, you know, from what yeah. I've seen of you know videos of him training, he's working to move. And yeah. you're like, okay, that's awesome. Guys dominate, dominates. Yeah. Fantastic jujitsu. Yeah, and I think at the end when you become that good, even if that's your primarily method of learning or training or whatever, I think when you gain ultimately like the understanding of, okay, I see I see why this is important to do this or important not to do this, whatever. Um, even if you are a quote-unquote driller, the creativity part is... It's almost like it's uncontainable. It'll always yeah, like yeah, even yeah. like Galvao, where they do drill well, a lot. Uh, you know what? I was, maybe I wasn't thinking. Who made the DVD that was literally called "Drill to Win"? Oh, it was like one somebody that's really good made a yeah. drill to win, right? So that's the kind of attitude I'm talking about. Again, that's how you get better, right? Drilling, drilling, drilling. Right, right. And what the thi- the thing is to what to to respond to what you just said is fact. Discipline equals freedom. If you drill and drill and drill and you make those moves so natural, then you're going to free, you're going to hit them from all over the place. Yep. So you're right. The end state is going to be the same, mm-hmm. but there's going to be people on all ends of that learning spectrum yeah. and training spectrum. Yeah. They're going to be all over the place. Yeah. And some people like, like, I don't like to drill. Yeah. Don't enjoy it. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe I did at some point. Don't remember. Mm-hmm. But I would rather roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think a lot of... It's, again, it, when in the beginning, it seems like what kind of learner you are is going to show itself way more. Oh, yeah, for so sure. Just as far as even for preference sure. and how you pick things up. And a lot goes with the fact that there's a lot to pick up when you begin. You know, you stop. There's so much to learn. So you're like, oh, well, you okay. absolutely have to drill. I yeah. mean, I hope no one's listening to me going, well, Jago just rolls. Yes. No, you have yeah. to drill when you start off. You have oh, to. Yeah. You have to learn the body mechanics of it. Yep. So, yes, I am talking about a more advanced stage. Yeah. And I, th- I think ultimately, just like how you said, though, I think that in time, once you start learning the moves, and as, uh, given the fact that you are rolling, though, you know how some people, they'll learn the move, then they'll go home? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's rare, but... When you you learn whatever this guard pass to the armbar combo, right? And you know the steps and grab here, put your knee here, whatever. The guy's your your training partner, your partner for the drill or whatever is you know he's letting you, you become do it. A, you become a ten out of ten in the drill. You get so good at that drill, you're ten out of ten. When you go to apply it for real, you're still gonna fail. <laughs> yes, exactly right because you don't know all the all these dynamic yeah, variables yeah. coming at you. So that's when you gain the understanding. Yes. That's when more questions are going to pop up, okay, that need to be answered. You answer them, and boom, there's your learning right there. So the drill is good, yeah, for the body mechanics, especially at the beginning, because you don't know. You don't like, I, you're talking about your all your hands, arms, legs, hips, head, everything, arm position. Well, well what's even more critical than those things, because all those things are vis- visible, you, you can see them. The things that are harder to teach and to understand is the weight yeah. distribution, and the balance distribution. Those are the things that you can't, you cannot see. And there's also one more, which is the tension mm. distribution. Because when I'm pulling on your arm, when I grab your wrist, when I'm holding your wrist, I could be putting tension in 360 degrees, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm holding your wrist, I could be moving it. I could be putting tension. Now, no one could tell which way I'm putting, pushing mm-hmm. or pulling or lifting or, or dragging. No one can tell because your arm isn't moving. Right. But the tension you can't see the balance you can't see and the and the the weight distribution you can't see any right. of those things and that's why it's very hard to teach him yeah yeah and the, and really the only way and again back to this thing it comes with time is when you roll live with someone then you're going to see all these different subtle different scenarios where the stuff you learned dean was teaching an arm lock the other day you know like a basic arm lock which i've probably sat there in the class of his and been his been his dummy a thousand times mm-hmm. and like somebody asked a question and then he was do he was doing the arm lock to me and i realized something that he was doing that i never noticed before and it's it's he's pulling the arm towards his head basically like pulling it pulling it towards his yeah, head yeah, yeah. yeah and i mean in a pretty extreme way Mm-hmm. And I realized how incredibly effective it was. Yeah. It's it's it wasn't holding it. He's right. pulling it. It was, yeah. and so like those little things like that. I've I've been his dummy, and maybe you know just because he was being his dummy, he he didn't didn't remember or didn't think about doing that step. Mm-hmm. But the way the question got asked, and and even when he's arm locked me thousands of times, he you know I didn't notice it. You know I just thought man he's got a tight arm lock. Right, but. It's like, okay, that was the detail. And I never, you could watch him do that move to me a thousand times or anyone else a thousand times. Then you wouldn't be able to know that detail unless either he told it to you or you felt it. it, And there's, that's the thing that's crazy about jujitsu. There's all kinds of little, little aspects like that. 
balance, weight, and tension that you just can't, you can't no. see visually. You can no. feel them. You can feel them. Yeah. But even if I say, hey, Echo, actually, you can't feel all of it because you can't feel where I'm putting my weight if I'm putting my weight into the mat. You oh, can't yeah. feel if I'm heavy over here. Right. You can't feel that. You don't know where I'm heavy. You just know what I feel heavy, but where's my weight going to be? Now, if I have my weight is on you, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That's the jujitsu. That's the jujitsu. All right. Before we have just a jujitsu podcast. Yeah. Next question. Jocko, when it comes to leading up the chain, what do you do when your goals aren't seeming to align? Example, making money versus having an impact. Okay. This is the deal here. The goals have to align. Mm. They have to align. And furthermore, they will align. That is, now you might have to go pretty high up the chain to make this happen, or you might have to dig pretty hard to make that happen. But this is a great example, right? The example is making money versus making an impact. And I'm going to tell you that those two actually align. How do they align? Well, let me explain. If your company makes more money, they will have a bigger impact, right? They will have a bigger impact. So mm-hmm. l- let me let me break it down a little bit more. So, so if you wanna have a big impact on a client, right? And so what you do is you spend so much time and so much money with that client or with that customer, you're gonna realize that the company, if, you're, if you invest that much, to a client or to a customer, you invest that much time and that much money, your company's gonna go out of business. Mm-mm. Now how much impact are you having with that, <laughs> with that client? The answer is zero. Mm. Now, sometimes the opposite happens. And this is probably what, you, what the question is related to. For instance, if we, as a company, we start cutting corners on quality. We start cutting corners on customer service or whatever the case may be, we might make more money in the short term. Oh, like to save money yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, we save money. You, you know what? You. We were supposed to have 10 people answering phones. We're going to fire six of them. We're going right. to have four left. That means everyone's waiting on the phone. Right. So now we don't have good customer service. Now we're starting to write a Yelp review. I was on hold for 14 hours. I hate this company, right? This happens. This is what happens. This is the example. So, so now up the chain of command. So before it was, look, we need 30 people in the call center to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. And that way everybody gets an answer within 30 seconds when they call in and when customer calls in. Okay, we're out of business in a month because we can't afford 30 people, so now we have no impact. Mm-hmm. The other end of the spectrum is we have three people in the call center right. responding to phone calls. We Everyone has to wait an hour. Now no one, everyone hates our company. We also have no impact. Yeah. So the, the, there, the goals have to be aligned at some case. And, but the, the thing is, it is a balancing act. It's, it's between expenditures for the cost to produce or the cost to provide service, and you've gotta keep that as low as possible so that, so that money is made, but you can't go so low that quality right. and customer service and follow-on business and customer relations. You can't go so low that it gets destroyed. And so you as a as a worker need to realize that your higher ups are trying to balance that. Mm. And they're saying, hey, you can't dedicate this much time or you can't dedicate that much time. Echo, you need, you're spending too much time with each client. You need to get three more clients. Well, I can't give them the impact that I want. I can't give them the focus. Okay, can you handle one more client? Yeah, I could probably do that. Okay, we're finding the balance. That, oh, yeah. You know, another good, 
restaurant business, right? Mm-hmm. Restaurant business is a really easy, simple one to understand because the quality of the food that we get and the quality of the 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 chefs that we have, the the more it costs to buy the food, the good food, mm-hmm. and the higher quality chef and cook and help we have, the better the food's going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, all that stuff costs more money. Mm-hmm. So you got to find the if you you have a restaurant where it's the best hamburger in the world, it's eighty four dollars. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have a line at that place. You but you you have impact because you're having the best burger in yeah. America. Guess what? You're not going to be in business to have your impact is going to be zero. Mm-hmm. Other side of the spectrum, salmonella poisoning because you're because <laughs> you're buying cheap stuff. You cut you know refrigeration costs and and that's guess what you're going out of business too. Yeah. So the goals are aligned at the end of the day because profit equals growth, growth equals impact. Now you know are there ethical times where someone says, "Hey, we're screwing over company." Yeah, absolutely. Look what just happened at Wells Fargo, mm. right? Wells Fargo had a had a a, a plague. Of that type of behavior, and it was rampant throughout the whole company. Guess where they're at now? They're hurting. They're hurting. They made a bunch of money in the short term, but guess what? Now they're not trusted, so they got to do some recuperation. But that's a classic example. So someone from Wells Fargo might have asked this question, yeah. and, you know, a year ago before the story broke, and said, "Hey, Jocko, we're trying to do something positive here, and the the, the company. My goals aren't aligned with the company." And he would have been right, and he should have raised his hand. Because what he could have said was, hey, bosses, if we keep this up, we're going to lose the trust and confidence of the public, and we're going to be hurting. And he would have been correct. Yeah. So you got to find that balance. But just remember that even though the goals might not seem aligned, they are aligned in the end. Mm-hmm. They need to be. They're not saying they always are. But if they're not aligned in the end, you're, gonna, you're probably going to go out of business. Because mm. you just cut a swath of mayhem, you, you destroy your customers or either through high prices or by low service. One yeah. of those two things is gonna happen if you don't find the, the dichotomy, the balance, not even dichotomy, it's the balance, you gotta find yeah. the balance. Yeah. Next question. What is your next book about? Well, the, the cat is out of the bag, essentially now, so because the, the book is available on Amazon right now. It's called The Way of the Warrior Kid, and yes, it is a kid's book, but I am telling you, I'm telling you, I've got, this, this is, this book is gonna, there's gonna be a lot more people than just kids that learn from this book, myself included. So, um, and you know, so part of it stemmed, I've, I had it in the bank for a while, mm. But one of the things that happened is we talked about the Jocko Academy on this podcast. Hey, well, if you ran, somebody asked me the question, great question. If you ran an academy for kids, what would you teach? Mm-hmm. And I kind of went, went through what that would be like. And what was cool was when that podcast came out, so many people reached out to me and said, you got to do this. This would be awesome. And we're, we actually are working behind the scenes slowly to get something moving in that direction. But. I realized, you know, forming a school the way I want to make it, forming an academy the way I want it to be, it's a, it's a big effort. It's yeah. a big financial effort. But how do we help kids in the meantime, right? How do we help kids in the meantime? Well, I realized well, what I could do is write a book yeah. or finish this book that I had the idea for. So that's what I did, hammered it out. And this is the story. It's, it's about a kid. Kid name is Mark. And when the story opens up, 
he's just kind of finishing his his last couple days of school and he's having a rough time <laughs> he's having a rough time because he's well first of all he can't do any pull-ups which may not seem Dang. like a big deal but guess what in his school they have little phys- PE tests yeah and one of the things they got to do is pull-ups pull ups, yeah. and so the, the last day of school like you know they have field, they have field day in Hawaii yeah so they have field day so he's just one of the events they do is pull-ups how many pull-ups can everyone do yep he's hiding in the back mm-hmm. trying to hide he doesn't want to do the pull-ups in front of everyone yeah. guess what he gets called out so everybody knows yeah. confirmed they knew before some of the now he's confirmed he can't yeah. he doesn't that kid can't do any pull-ups Class field trip, guess where they go? They go to a pond, they go to a lake, and they go swimming. Real fun. If you know how to swim. (laughs) Mark doesn't know how to swim. So he's, and now they know that too. Not only that, on top of that, doesn't know his times tables. Right? What's six times six? Don't know. So on top of all that, he's getting bullied. Hmm. He's getting bullied by... Big Kenny Williamson, big bully, who 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 calls himself he calls himself the king of the jungle because the jungle gym in the schoolyard. Yeah, it's <laughs> right, his. Right, gotcha. So horrible last day of school gets picked on all that stuff, and when he comes home, he's reminded by his mom that his uncle, Uncle Jake, who is in the SEAL teams, of course, is getting out of the SEAL teams. He's going to be going to college. After the summer, so this summer he's staying with Mark, and that's what happens. So Uncle Jake, you know, he kind of hears all these issues that he's having, all these problems, and you can imagine what Uncle Jake said. Mm-hmm. Uncle Jake said, "Good, <laughs> you got problems. Those are the problem kind of problems we can solve right there. Yeah. We can take care. You can't do pull-ups, no problem. Mm-hmm. What do we do? We work out. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't know your times tables. What do you do? Study. Let me teach you how to study." Mm-hmm. Let me show you about flashcards. <laughs> Let me show you how to get in the game academically. Oh, you don't know how to swim? Guess what? <laughs> you're going to learn how to swim. Oh, and, you, and you're getting picked on? How do we stop that? Real easy. Little something called jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So that's what happens. The Uncle Jake shows Mark how to be... Instead of a wimpy kid, how to be a warrior kid. Oh. And teaches him how to be stronger and smarter and better. And it also, you know, he learns about humility. He learns about respect. He learns about courage and determination. And, you know, I, I, I wish that I had this book when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Because... I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be helpful. I think it's gonna be helpful, and that's what that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping yeah. it can have an impact on some people's lives, and I hope that I hope that it allows you know parents and kids to get closer together. And you know, as I was, you know, I normally take a a, a question for kind of like closing, and you know, I. I, I usually try and pick a question that's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be impactful, right? Mm-hmm. And honestly, man, when I was preparing for this podcast and I was doing the first couple letters that I read, 
I was just at a point where I didn't think I'd be able to step it up any further. <laughs> and so I just wanted to think about that. You know, you think about John Burns and his daughter and makes me hope that this can bring people together bring parents closer to their kids and help their kids move down the right path in life because no matter what you think about life and the afterlife and immortality and whether you believe in that or not one thing I do know is the one thing that you do leave behind is your kids so let's give them the best we can and get them prepared for life and get them prepared for the sunny days and the sparkling skies filled with stars and let's also get them ready for the challenges and the bullies and the darkness so that they can survive and thrive and pass that strength of character on down the line. And I think that's all I've got for tonight. So, Echo Charles, I know it's been a little bit of a rough night for you too. I apologize, but maybe, maybe when you get home tonight, you give your beautiful daughter a little extra hug and you plant a kiss on the forehead of your son. And before you do that, maybe you could tell everyone how they might be able to support this podcast if they so desire. Before I go too deep into that. Let me, I gotta, I gotta admit something, but it's going to be relevant to me. Yeah. I worked out <laughs> Dude, cause, today. Cause it, a lot of people in the world just went, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you worked out I'll today. I'll make it. Yeah. I worked out today. But this is the part, this is the admission part. Um, I drank some last night. Why? Just, you know, uh, sometimes when you. Weakness. Yeah. Ultimately. But. It's one of these things where was um, it some kind of a celebration? No, it was. I was just working, and you know the kind you drink a little bit, you kind of get into it. No, and then I'm like, oh shoot, let me drink some more, more into it. Anyway, just one of those deals. Anyway, nonetheless, we ended up not getting that much sleep and drinking. But I'm like, no, nah, I committed to working out today. You held the line. At held least. the line, yeah, fully. So, and we're going back to that the pre workout stuff. Mm. Total performance, I think it's called. You know, on it. Anyway, the pre-workout stuff. So I'm like, all right, now 
we're gonna we're gonna see how this works under duress, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, took it. Okay. S- smashed the work up. Boom. Same pop. That pop I was talking about last time was there. People mentioned the pop on yep. Twitter. You know, the pop is real. <laughs> anyway, um, so the moral to that story is. So are you telling everyone they can drink? And as long as they have some of this, they'll be good to go. Because I don't want to hear that. <laughs> you would have been. You'd had more yeah. pop. Yeah, a lot more. I think. Had um, you just kept your head in the game? Yeah. Well, if if I were to say that, I would have to do a lot more tests. I would have to drink more times. Let's not do that. Yeah, then. yeah. So we like the new and improved Echo. Yeah, a lot better. Right on. Um, but yeah, total performance is a go. Straight up go. It's in the rotation. Oh. It is good. Well, uh, like krill it. oil, krill oil, total performance, alpha brain when needed, shroom tech when needed. What other ones did I miss? Oh, uh, warrior bars when needed. That's my go to. That's yeah. my EDC everyday ca- consumption. Mm-hmm. Not everyday carry, right? That's the other. <laughs> anyway, it's um, by Onnit. If you don't know already, I know I said it before. I'm gonna say it again. It's from Onnit. The best supplements, not like. Power Gainer 5000 supplements, like the for real supplements that, you know, but you got to do the workout. You got to do get your rest. You got to eat good. The supplements is to supplement. I think people overlook that. You know what? Let's make a bar, a good protein bar or a good steak bar. And we'll yeah. just call it good. <laughs> so that way you have to eat good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you eating good? Yep. Yeah. I'm one right good. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good diet. So anyway, um, if you want to, if you like these things, if you're down, if you don't already have supplements, um, and and you want to get some supplements to give you that extra, you know, the boost, the pop, in this case, um, go on it.com. If you want 10% off, throw a little slash Jocko in there. You get 10% off. Boom. Support everything. Support the podcast. Support yourself and your gains. <laughs> Another way. Yes. Another way to do it is, or do it meaning another way to support the podcast. Big one. Small but big. Amazon click-through. What that is before you do Amazon shopping, whatever it is you're buying, whether it's a book that you heard on this podcast or otherwise or anything, before you go to Amazon.com, go to JockoPodcast.com. Click on the Amazon banner. Then you go do your shopping. So it kind of supports that way. It's like this three-way of support thing going on. Small action, big impact. So yeah, that's a good one. Um, subscribe, of course, to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Write a review on iTunes. Yeah, that's a good Do one. Do that. Yeah. Boom. Support. If you want. Anyway, um, it seems obvious that you subscribe to iTunes already, but in the event of you not subscribing, go subscribe if you want to support in that or way. Or whatever it is you, you want. use. Google Play, Google Stitcher. Play. Stitcher, yeah. There's another app I've been hearing lately, but I can't remember what it is. It's not Spotify, is it? That's something else. That's not podcasts. <clears throat> I don't know. But yeah, just subscribe. Boom. If it's on there. Um, and then YouTube. I'm starting to put out more videos on a more consistent basis. I think I put one out today, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Sometime very recently. Um, and you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel. You want to watch the videos, get updates when uh, when the videos come out. That's a good way to support too. And then, of course... Jocko has a store. It's called Jocko Store. You can get cool stuff. I think it's cool. 
And I'm not saying go buy the shirts. I'm not saying that. I'm saying go look on there. We made an effort collectively to put some cool stuff out there. But keep in mind, that's our opinion. That's my opinion, that they're cool. If you think they're cool, then you get a shirt. That's what I'm saying. And you can support that way. The shirts is rash guards for jujitsu or any kind of physical activity. A lot of people use them for, for cycling and CrossFit and whatnot. Um, really good for that. Uh, they look cool. I think they look cool. Uh, the sh- patches, the Velcro ones came back in. So we got Velcro patches back. Um, some bumper stickers and hoodies, of course. We're going to come out some, with some more stuff, I think. I support that idea. You support? Okay, good. There you go. So, yeah, if you want to support that way, and Jocko supports this idea, I feel like that's another three-way support, closed-circuit deal. It's good to get in that if you want, if you feel like it. And then, of course, psychological warfare. Okay. If you don't know what psychological warfare is, it's an album you can get, and each track is... When you feel weakness of like waking up, like if you're, you know, those days, and I'm going to speak from experience because I know a little bit about this, the day where you're kind of hungover. I know this was a long time ago. Maybe you're hungover. Maybe you're tired. You didn't get that much sleep. Maybe, um, maybe your mind is on something else. And you're like, I know I told myself I was going to work out today, but today I'm not feeling it. I'm going to turn today into a rest day. Mm. When you're thinking that, like those moments of weakness, you listen to one of these tracks, two of these tracks, whatever. It's Jocko telling you why you should not skip today. It, it, see, you're waging psychological warfare on your mind. Weaknesses. Yes, and the weaknesses that are trying to reveal themselves in your mind. And I can say with 100% certainty that if you're having a day of or a moment of weakness and you listen to this track, whether it be you're about to eat some, you know when you're hungry, when you miss like lunch and you're like, dang, I'm hungry. And you see like, in the, you know, in whatever, donuts or Oreos or whatever. When you're real hungry, it kind of, it's kind of hard. Anyway, if you're having a moment of weakness like that, whether it be food stuff, waking up early, skipping workouts, whatever, listen to this. I'll say with 100% certainty, you won't, you won't laugh. You won't slack. Well, and there's also an awesome uh, uh, tw- a young girl on Twitter, who was someone's daughter, and... She's saying, she's saying sugar-coated. Those donuts are sugar-coated lies. I actually got fired up. I was like, I don't, I'm not going to eat a donut ever again. Yeah. I retweeted it. It's awesome. That was that was classic. Yeah. And, and you can get it on iTunes, but you can also get it on Amazon.com or what? Like, Amazon Music. It's, Amazon. I saw it on Amazon. Oh, it's on there. Okay. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> oh, here. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> the very, how oh, should I say, very competent distributor that we're working oh, with. They distribute it. I did choose all these things, and I I forgot that I went through that process already because I was so focused on like iTunes or whatever. And yes, so I, I end. The fact is, I end up going through that process and it did get distributed through there. But I, since I don't use, I mean, I use Amazon music, but iTunes just seems like the obvious one. I just didn't think about it. Yeah. Well, what's cool about Amazon is it puts when you, if you look at Jocko white tea, it'll say extreme ownership. It'll say way of the warrior kid. And it'll say psychological warfare all right there from Amazon. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Boom. The way they understand your desires. <laughs> 
Because there's no yep. way you can resist that one. Nope. When it's right there, you're like, hey, this is awesome. I'm going to get the the, the 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 grand slam. Order them all. <laughs> and yeah. Also, yeah. So speaking of that, you can get the Jocko White tea. You've had it by now, and you know the deal. <laughs> you know that you're, you know that you're clean and jerk is just out of control. You're throwing that thing through the roof. Uh, also, for international orders, by the way, I hate to do this because it's going to put some work on the resourcing company that's doing this for it. But if you international, go through eBay. There's an official listing of Jocko Podcast. You'll see that it's sold by Pearl Resourcing, and they also like it says the shipping is a hundred dollars. That's not the shipping. There's like varying shipping, so they just kind of quote that price. But then I think they figured out later, so okay. they don't have to ask me about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're trying to get it to people overseas. I'm not saying it's gonna not sell out quickly, <laughs> but it's there. Um, if also, if you if you like when we talk about war or leadership on this podcast, you can p- pick up the book, Extreme Ownership, right? Myself and my brother Leif Babin wrote it, and that's what we talk about, leadership and war. And like I said earlier, go ahead and get some copies of The Way of the Warrior Kid. You're going to dig it. Extreme Ownership Muster is happening May 4th and 5th at the Marriott Marquis in New York City. It's a conference for people that want to get after it. That's what it is. Leadership on the battlefield in business and in life. Why do I say battlefield? Well, first of all, because we have military people that will be there. Mm-hmm. We have police officers that will be there. So they're on the battlefield, right? Business, obviously, we have business people. Uh, firefighters, they're, they're in battle with fire. But it's a lot of it, majority of it's business people that want to get after it. And it's also people that want to get after it and lead in life. It's going to sell out. We have a if, uh, Echo finally. Quality, not quantity. Finally. <laughs> a great video executed later is better than a good no. video executed now. Well, we'll, put, we'll probably have a video up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And until then, until the muster, if you do want to cruise with us we can be found deep <laughs> deep inside the interwebs on twitter on instagram and if you has that facebooky boha we gonna be on that one too mm-hmm. echo is at echo charles and i am at jocko willink and finally thanks for listening to this podcast And thank you for supporting it with everything that you do to support it. But more important, thanks for getting in the game with us, losing weight or gaining weight or learning jujitsu or leading better. Guys like Army Vet James Kenny. You know what? 64 years old, no factor. Surgery, no factor. Torn muscles, no factor three hour or something commute to the gym to train jujitsu, no factor. Intrinsic will and discipline, big factor. Because James, 64 years old, just got his blue belt. Congratulations, James. And I know 
a ton of you are out there doing the same thing. Military members out on the battlefield, police officers on the beat, firefighters on the scene, you're doing the same thing, smashing obstacles. And the rest of you in the workforce, working, grinding through the day and the night to get your work done and still getting after the workouts and the family events and the jujitsu classes. Thank you for what you are doing and for realizing that if you have the will and the discipline, the obstacles you face are no factor and they cannot stop you from getting after it. So until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.